the people that you were standing up to. And mm. I, I can appreciate your your struggle there because I know you're, you know, you're a you're a teddy bear. Like, <laughs> I'm a teddy bear. <laughs> if you could go through the rest of your your life and never have to fight anyone or stand up to anyone because there wasn't any need to, I'm sure you'd, you'd choose to. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back with another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast on a wonderful Monday morning. Don't know why it's wonderful, but I guess daylight savings is a, is a good enough of a reason. The True. prospect of, of some early summer evenings and some lighter weather and all that, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know we're both tired. I can tell yeah. we're both tired. The <laughs> old losing an hour. Isn't it funny how you get to this age and we still get to the, the where the clocks change and everyone's like, oh, forward, yeah. is it forward an hour? Is it back an hour? That little bit of information just doesn't seem to lodge year after no. year after year. We still no. have to ask the question. But it's so weird. Like the, This year is the first year where I haven't had it drilled into me that this is happening. Like I, I barely saw it I- I- anywhere and then I was up because uh, it, it switched over, it was, did it switch over Friday night? Saturday night. No, it switched over Saturday night, right? It's Saturday at, at well, like after, 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was up because, as I always say, I'm a night owl and I'm up at that point. So I was awake at 2 o'clock and then all of a sudden it was 3 o'clock. Oh, dude, that's and killer. And I, I looked at my phone and I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> I, I need to go to bed so I literally just I shut my phone down and I went to sleep and then when I got up in the morning I was like oh my gosh what have I done like- <laughs> that's a once a year reminder like if you happen to time that day of the year and you're still up at 2am and it's switched to 3 it's just the like you need to go to bed. Yeah, you <laughs> need to go to bed. You pushed it too far, and <laughs> and this one day, one day of the year, you shouldn't have done it, and you did. Yeah, but it oh, was, well. but it, 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 you know, I must say it's so lovely because I mean, I, I try and keep up with the news most nights, and then all of a sudden it hits six o'clock, and I was like, no, it can't. It's so light outside, like it's it's weird. But it, like, like you were saying before, it's just a lovely sign that that summer is coming. And that's a that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. Absolutely. And I think in New Zealand, depending on where in New Zealand you are, I imagine if you go into the, the deep south of Invercargill and those sort of areas, the daylight hours may be slightly shorter. But I've, we're pretty lucky with daylight hours here. Uh, that was one thing I really struggled with, uh, particularly in, in London. But the whole two years I was in the UK – it just gets so dark in winter. Like mm. we're talking middle of winter, dark at 4 p.m. And then Whoa. unless you're getting up, unless you're lucky enough to get up at like nine o'clock, it will definitely be dark when you get up. So depending on what your daily schedule is, you can just miss almost miss, all the yeah. hours of sunlight. And bro, that's that's super, super draining too. Um, I mean, we should say last week was Mental Health Awareness Week. And obviously we, we encourage mental health awareness every day, all year round. I mean, obviously it's great to have weeks to put the spotlight on things, but recognizing that mental health is an, is an issue year round. And I think daylight hours is one thing that we don't recognize enough as being something mm. that impacts that. Like if you have dark days 
weather-wise, day after day and weeks long. And I mean, on the one hand, you obviously have the the vitamin D. We know sunlight is is good for ourselves physically, and some sort of yep. sciencey someone proved that somewhere along the way, and we believe them. But also, <laughs> just in a, if you can't see the sun and the outside and brightness and and light, that that can be so draining. And I really struggled with that and in the UK as many people do when they move there. And I think, yes, obviously winter in New Zealand can be cold and rainy and gray, but I think we're pretty blessed in terms of sunlight hours. So I'm excited to get even more and those sort of five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, yeah. get that sunlight. That's what I'm saying. Give me, give me some brightness. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I mean, well, it's, I found the strange thing about this weekend as well is that I know Wellington felt it. Um, but the, this, this supposed storm that was rolling over the country Sunday mm. today. So I think on Sunday I saw that there was quite bad flooding, you know, throughout the country. And, um, a friend of mine up in Wainui Amada, their whole backyard was just a swimming pool, which just looked crazy. But did you did you really feel like there was like severe weather yesterday? Because um, today up here in Auckland, it's beautiful. Honestly, like I said, I can't remember what happened yesterday. There was one night, I think Saturday night it, it rained and I was coming yeah. home from somewhere and I got home two minutes before it started hosing down and i didn't have yeah, a raincoat yeah. and i just thought thank god like, <laughs> the bus is up um we had a couple of gray days and there was definitely some rain and it was really really windy on saturday night like mm. loud mm. enough that when i was trying to go to sleep i was I, I thought wow this is actually loud enough outside that it might stop me going to sleep and i'm pretty pretty heavy sleeper yeah but a lot of it happened saturday night overnight and didn't really affect yeah the the daytime too much yeah, no weird because i just remember i remember watching the news and it's like you know severe weather warnings like this is going to get hit really hard over sunday monday and uh, up here in auckland i was like oh yeah it like rained but nothing much more than that like i saw some landslides down in wellington but i mean that's a given pretty much every storm anyway trees coming down and stuff yeah um but no i just wanted to hear from a first-hand experience of yours it, it's was no, it's just I, crazy as what I, I thought think it, it was going to be. I think it blew over relatively, yeah. relatively quickly. And I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous here today. Not that yeah. I can rely on it staying gorgeous. Like I said last week, it was awful. And by the time we finished, it was nice. But yeah, I think we've we've been sort of blessed Lucky. with a, a scattery, yeah. scattery storm. But it is yeah. technically spring now. It is. That was one of the things that I realized, you know, it turns September and everyone goes, ah, springtime, but spring was September the 23rd. So I think now we are actually properly actually heading, heading into heading into spring, which Yay. is nice. Daylight hours, mental health, yep. all big ticks from so us good. as far as we're concerned. And we should yeah. say super quickly, I, I mean, this isn't the top anymore, but we, we're a four-digit download podcast, Oy! man, since we last recorded. Matt and I, we got our 1,000th uh, download for the Bros and Brews podcast, which was super, super exciting. Um, so, yeah, we've clocked over into four digits. Now we're just going to keep on keep on rolling, but keep we did want to say at the top, thank you so much to everyone who's listened so far. Um, like we said last week, there are a few things in the pipeline which we can't quite talk about yet, but we're very excited to, hopefully next week. But... Yeah, thank you to everyone who's listened so far, and thank you for continuing to listen. And we've clocked over one thousand, so so 
I guess there's just more numbers to to achieve it at some stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's brilliant. And I mean, you know, we we can obviously see where you guys are listening from as well. And the fact that you guys are listening from halfway across the world is just it's it's amazing. It's baffling, you know. Like we know we have friends everywhere across the world and and new listeners and people we don't know and stuff. But yeah, the fact that you guys keep on tuning in every week is is uh, amazing. It's it's why we do this, you know. We want to have these conversations and and yeah, just thank you for being a part of those conversations. And they're going to keep happening. Like James said, we're going to we're going to keep on rolling them out. They're going to keep on coming. Um but yeah, hey, I mean to 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 bring back, it's it's quite you know it's nice that we talked about that that weather there at the start because my question for you today is a question. It's oh, not ne- not necessarily an icebreaker, but um, I've had conversations with people about it before. Not about telling uh, me with two truths and a lie. Yeah, no. <laughs> I had to help someone out with that this week, and I was like, God, oh, that's a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, you're hard. <laughs> um, no, my question for you today is: Would you rather? So very similar to, you know, same kind of category. But would you rather be either live or stuck in a, an extremely hot place or an extremely cold place? So like, you know, Sahara Desert or Antarctica. Would you? Wh- which one do you think you would rather find? Oh, yourself? so full extremity, right? Because that was going to yeah. be my first thing to ask you was like, are we talking always 35 degrees and always zero degrees like you know what i mean yeah no i get what you mean yeah 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 yeah. no i'm talking about yeah extremes like if 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 you had to go and like i don't know which one do you think you could uh, handle better or the environment you would much rather be in than the other one because i guess fundamentally it boils down to the question of like there are people that prefer to be too hot and people that prefer to be to be cold um i think i'm i've always been someone that I, I can handle quite hot weather. Mm. Um, like mum and dad, you know, going on holidays as a as a kid, we were lucky enough to go to Australia a number of times. And, you know, they were always aiming for nothing more than sort of the 26, 27 type area. Man, the one time we were in Adelaide and it was 43, I was like, get me outside <laughs> on the grass. I'm going to going to bake, which I don't necessarily condone. Obviously, skin cancer, melanoma in New Zealand all of the above uh, very serious slip, slop and slap as we go into spring and summer people will be mm-hmm, responsible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I do have quite a high t- heat tolerance. The cold, um, I like to think that I'm the kind of person who like in, in flats in the past, I've always been a put lots of layers on. Yeah. Don't just chuck the heat on kind of yeah, person. Same. So I think I can cope with the cold by just putting layers on, but I think I actually prefer the heat, if that makes mm, sense. Like that I, makes sense. if it's cold, I can cope with it, but I don't like the cold. Yeah. So I think I would probably be more likely to prefer like, say, say this question was about living somewhere where it's constantly 30 to 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. I would probably prefer that to living somewhere where it never gets above, I don't know, five 10 degrees like yeah, I yeah. places in the world where you're always operating in the negatives if you're going as far as sahara antarctica probably like i guess you would pick antarctica because presumably 
the bases there have buildings with warm insides and you would just never choose to go outside whereas i don't think yeah. you can live in sahara but what know, if, so I, yeah no no i get what you mean but what if what if there was an environment like not necessarily like a pod but in the sahara there was a an environment where you could at least live com- comfortably not like aircon blasting all the time but you at least had shade and water and the necessary things that you needed like would you I think I do you, I think I would probably choose the cold to be honest mm. because mm-hmm. I think as as the human race I think we've figured out how to live at really cold temperatures like insulated suits and um you know I think all those people that work in Antarctica and I remember having friends in school that had gone to do like Antarctica trips and stuff well not that many like I think I knew two people and I think you can go on holiday in Antarctica in those like very cold like it's super cold but in those places it isn't like windy or rainy it's just the Mm. temperature is so low so so long as you're wearing the appropriate level of insulation and clothes you can actually go outside so I think in Antarctica you would probably have the balance of being able to be inside and it be warm but also if you needed to and wanted to go outside you can just put the necessary you know clothes and technology on whereas i think if you were living somewhere hot you could probably have aircon and stuff on its side but you would probably never ever go outside yeah if that makes sense that makes so sense. in the extremities i would probably choose the antarctica side but in the do in i general, want to live in like abu dhabi versus somewhere that's constantly cold i don't know like stoke or millwall or some miserable part of the uk <laughs> probably i would choose abu dhabi um yeah but what about you i've given you a long long version of my answer no that's i no i, I that's good it's funny i think that's a, the way that i thought you were going to go in the sense <laughs> of just you'd prefer you'd prefer the heat rather than the cold yeah so it's interesting you're extreme you'd rather be in the cold but that, it makes sense that the way that you explained it yeah um because for me i'm completely the other way around i in I don't cope with like heat very well. Mm-hmm. I think like my body already runs hot as it is. Like I'm very much a hot water bottle. Um, at least I've been told before. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but yeah, I run very hot. So when it gets like, I find myself in like really hot situations, my body just it c- it can't keep up. Um, but like you said before in the cold, if I have the ability to just put on a few layers and with the way that my body circulates warm blood around me, uh, I'm quite comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I'd be I'd be the same. I think if I was to live anywhere, it'd be in a, an extreme cold situation because, I don't know, I feel like I would. I would be able to cope generally a bit more. Um, yeah, so that that's, that, that's the way I would have gone. But I think it depends on the heat as well, like... You know, if you live in in the Middle East, the heat is super, super hot and dry. Whereas if you're, you know, in parts of Asia, the heat is super wet, like the humidity is very high. I once was like traveled through Malaysia to get to um, somewhere in Europe, literally just an overnight type thing. And I remember stepping off the plane in Penang (laughs) and it felt like I'd been hit in the face with like a wet towel. And I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine. You feel like you're sort of moving through like wet air yeah like i don't think i could handle that i I think we're quite well i don't know if we're lucky with our heat in new zealand obviously the ozone is (laughs) not really present but so we have our own specific heat but 
I think heat varies, whereas cold kind of doesn't. Mm. I mean, yes, with the cold, some places are super windy and some places are super rainy, some places snow, but cold is cold. Mm. Whereas I think heat is very variable. Like in New Zealand, our our sun is really baking, whereas you go to other places and it can be hot, but the sun isn't quite so hot. You know, you Piercing, could, yeah, 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 yeah. You go somewhere, like I said, Abu Dhabi or places in the Middle East where it's very dry and hot, but it's like smog dust hot. Obviously, mm. if you live by a desert, which you <laughs> would be pretty paramount if you were in the Sahara, like that's a different <laughs> kind of heat. So I think probably you raise a fair point that coping with heat you're dealing with a lot more variations than cold, mm. which is like, if you can deal with cold, yes, you maybe don't get the sun and all that stuff, but it's probably more of a known variable, which is why I, I think the more I think about it logically, maybe going extreme cold is more sensible than extreme heat. Yeah. No, that, no, that makes sense. But I, I was going to say, I've had that exact same experience coming off a plane when we were in Hong Kong going to, going to London. Uh, I wore... I can't remember what I was wearing. I think I was wearing a hoodie and jeans. Oh my god! I wanted a comfortable flight, right? Like I just wanted to be comfortable on jeans. The flight. Jeans is your comfortable flight? They were comfy <laughs> jeans, all right. They were comfy <laughs> jeans. God, but, that was judgy from me. But you, don't man, get jeans. off me, man. Get off. <laughs> um, it, but yeah, no, it was exactly the same experience. As soon as we went onto the bridge, did we just all got slapped in the face with it? And and then it was it was ridiculous. We weren't expecting that at all. And we were running from aircon to aircon in the airport. And then we saw our bus outside, and we were all standing under the aircon, and we all just went one by one running into the bus to to escape the heat. And then we eventually climatized once we got to the hotel and and stuff like that. But no, I've had that same spirit. Oh, I mean, I've been to Bali as well, and it's yeah. I mean, the whole time I was in a singlet, you know. Like I was just, it was just so hot. It was ridiculous. But you yeah. so it was that it was that wet hot. Uh-huh. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it was icky. It's icky. Icky is a good <laughs> word. Well, one thing I should say is, is it's, it's funny that we brought brought this up. But today's the third day in a row that I've worn shorts, and for Whoa. me, I've, I've gotten over the hump. I've just I'm wearing shorts. I'd rather my calves be cold and have a little bit of air freedom to to move around than than pants so mm. i mean what that says about me i don't know but this is my f- probably my first shorted podcast it's taken us 19 episodes Ooh. episodes to get to get to it but anyway we're going way too far down down the line of personal clothing preferences and body parts <laughs> and stuff but, but yeah no, well, so i wish you well for summer man please yeah, please look too. after your own body aircon and and uh you know regulate your temp as as seafood and hydrate. As seafood. Hydrate will help. Hydrate. You. That's a really good tip for me. Hydrate, definitely. Um, well, yeah, I mean so to to you know, proceed into the podcast the way that me and James wanted to go is um, you know, we like talking about real stuff on this podcast, as you guys have heard. You know, we, we want to be able to talk about things openly, um, and things that we've at least experienced before, um, and things that we just want to bring light to as well you know um and you know talking about extremes and and weather and, and stuff like that one one extreme or thing that we wanted to talk about today was um toxic toxic masculinity um you know ma- masculinity in itself is is not a is not a bad thing you know you you have feminine people you have masculine people in this world and and that's okay but the thing that we really wanted to focus on today was the 
the toxic side of that um, because it's 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 a harmful thing and we've we've all at least witnessed it at some point in our life and it's it's something that maybe we've had to have a conversation with other people or the opposite it's it's something that we you know subdue and we we don't talk about and we let these things happen and and stuff like that but today me and James really just wanted to 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 talk about that and 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 share some of the experiences that we've at least seen because it's it's still happening you know like I think toxic masculinity is a is a is an old phrase and and things but it's it's still going on in this world and I know that there's a lot of lot of issues going on in this world at the moment but it's something that we we still see um so we basically just wanted to talk about that um but yeah I mean toxic masculinity in itself I mean if we're going to boil it down into to at least what I think it is um and I mean you can speak to it after James on, on what you feel like toxic masculinity might be but it's for me, a, a big one is, is um, you know, we just had mental health awareness last week. And, and for me, toxic masculinity is, is something of suffering in silence. You know, I think it's to be, there's that thing of being masculine is to, you know, is to withhold your emotions and to, to present yourself as, a, as, as something strong, you know. And I think a toxic side of that is, is, is suffering in silence. Yeah, no emotion. It's that whole kind of alpha persona and and things like that and you don't really need to depend on anyone else you should be able to do it all on your own um, and not show any weakness you know I think showing weakness is is, is a big one of that toxic masculinity um, it's also that fear of um, fear of losing as well you know once again that weakness you don't want to lose you want to stay on top of everything um, also not snitching something that I just thought about you know obviously you can be loyal to people but there's that whole thing of of not snitching um which I think you know snitching has always had a kind of negative connotation behind it something small and I don't think it's a, a big part of it but you know still something to say um and then obviously a big one that probably I've seen the most throughout my life is um just the the sexualization of women and and the dominance of women um, in different aspects, whether that be sexual violence, domestic violence, um, club culture as well, things like that. Um, it's, I mean, we've all seen it and whether we've said something about it or not, it's, it's happening. Um, but I mean, those are the kind of the, you know, the things that I kind of whittle down to, to being toxic masculinity, you know, it's a very, uh, straight male dominated area, obviously the straight men want to to dominate be that alpha um and if you don't display these forms of hyper masculinity you know you have the risk of of being invisible or disrespected or bullied and you know violence and and it's in its biggest form so yeah i would basically that's that's the way that i i present it i mean james do you see anything else that you know you can kind of we can put into this toxic box that men like to put themselves in yeah, I think I think that was a really like a really good summation of of lots of the key points and obviously it's you know it varies person to person and and probably varies country to country as well. That's yeah, one thing I want to touch on later on is sort of New Zealand specific you know own version of toxic masculinity, but just just listening to you talk, I think I I realized that I feel like there's two sort of subcategories of toxic masculinity. There's kind of the the act of toxic masculinity, which is all the things you mentioned where men act in a way 
that they perceive as being okay because of gender roles or whatever. So like mm. you said, club culture, uh, sexual violence, domestic violence, people acting with bravado, you know, people being rude and that, that sort of active sense of what it is to be masculine. And then I think there's sort of the inactive toxic masculinity, which is more down the lines of what men are taught are masculine ideals and how to act as a person because of that and refraining from doing things. So the, Mm. you know, the, the man up and boys don't cry and don't talk about your feelings. And that's all stuff that we don't do because of the perception of what it is to be masculine, what it isn't. I think those are two, two things that are definitely linked. You know, they come from the same idea of what it is to be a man and, and what it is to be a, a, a male figure and, and how you act accordingly because of that. But I think there's sort of two different splits and, and how people act around each other and the, the act of toxic masculinity and, and the, the inactive stuff. Um, I think in terms of the, the inactive stuff is, is probably where, you know, a lot of the self development growth stuff and, you know, this is us here having conversations, trying to grow as people and understand people more is probably what we're, we're trying to work at having people mental health awareness week. Like we said, talk about your feelings, being okay, sharing with, with other men about what's going on in your life and what's, what's not, you know, not, not working. And I think a lot of that, you know, comes down to masculine ideals. And like you said at, at the top, you know, masculinity in itself isn't, isn't a bad thing, you know, mm. just as feminine femininity isn't, isn't a bad thing. And I've become quite aware now that I am quite a, a feminine male. I've been told mm. it by multiple people. I think there was a time in my life where I probably didn't love being told that. And now I'm completely okay with it. Like, of course that's true. You know, you look at all my interests. I love, I love acting. I love singing. I love dance. I have like, I quite enjoy ballet when I did a bit of that at drama school. Like I, I enjoy lots of things that would be traditionally seen as more feminine aspects. doesn't mean I don't love sport. I've bloody love sport. I'll tick all the boxes. Um, you know, something that's really interesting for me at the moment is that I'm doing boxing as my sort of fitness thing. And that's been a really interesting thing to engage in because boxing is such a traditionally masculine mm. sport. Mm. The concept of just punching things to get things out. But for me, it's been super beneficial. And I, it doesn't mean I I want to go out and start a fight in a pub or a bar or it doesn't mean, you know, for me, it's just a way of doing uh, exercise in the same way that going to the gym would be exercise you know going to the gym can be seen as this masculine thing and i'm sure there's a lot of toxic masculinity that breeds around gym culture but it doesn't mean that you we should be discouraging people from going and work on their physical exercise if you know what i mean um yeah one realization around top you know the, the issue of masculinity and toxic masculinity that i had in the last week was um i had a conversation with with fran about about uh you know, sexuality and, and how men are, you know, at least in, in the decades past, it was seen as completely normal for men to put, you know, posters of, you know, Playboy or Hustler yeah, or yeah, celebrities yeah, yeah. on their walls. That was seen as completely normal. But for girls and for women, that would be seen as something strange, like exploring mm. your sexuality or, or having interest in, in you know, people that you're attracted to and putting posts on the wall and stuff. And as we were having that conversation, 
there was kind of another thing going on, which was to do with Fran's car, which she's bought recently and, and potentially, you know, it needs to have its oil checked and it's water checked and that sort of stuff. And I don't know anything about fixing cars. Dad showed me yeah. how to change a tire years ago. If I had to change a tire right now, I could probably do it based on like Google and the stuff there. But I'm useless with cars. And I had a realization while I was talking to her about the, the whole posters and sexuality and that sort of stuff. I went, you know what? Just because I'm a man doesn't mean I have to be able to know my way around a car. Yeah. That's really unfair to for me for the presumption to be that I should know how to do it and because I don't I'm not a man or I don't know how to deal with it and I just went mm. you know what stuff it like I, I did actually go out and try and check check the oil and couldn't get the cap <laughs> off and all that sort of stuff but I went you know what this isn't necessarily my job and that's no. okay yeah. and I think you know doesn't mean that someone who does like cars or is super DIY is is a bad person, but it also means that if I don't tick those DIY boxes, it doesn't mean I'm any less of a man. And I think it doesn't mean I don't want to get better at DIY. I think there is some real benefit in having those basic understandings of how a car operates and like mm. how to, you know, put a nail into a bit of wood and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think there's real value in that, but I think there's still so many underlying things that that we have to keep checking back on on like what's masculine and what's not and the other day that was a, a good example for me where i went hmm, this isn't actually my job doesn't mean i won't do it doesn't mean i shouldn't mm. learn but yeah. the presumption that it i'm any lesser for not being able to do it is kind of as as that you know a little piece of toxic masculinity yeah. um but i did want to ask you like do you think Obviously, toxic masculinity is a world thing. It's a it's a humanity, gender, through years and centuries of, of you know, male dominance and, and the perception of gender roles and things. But how do you view toxic masculinity in New Zealand? Um, I mean, one thing that I think is, you know, obviously worth talking about is, is the involvement of, of rugby and sport and and our culture is really, really defined, particularly with rugby, which is seen as a sport that, you know, it's male dominated in contact and, you know, women's rugby is really, really starting to grow. I think yeah. women's rugby is, is fascinating and, and obviously encourage uh, women to play all at whatever sports they want to, but, you know, traditionally rugby, the all blacks and all male sport tackle, blah, 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 go out on a, on a Saturday and smash your feelings out. And how do you feel about New Zealand specific toxic masculinity? And do you think there's aspects of our culture that define how we as a country engage with these issues yeah i mean yes i i think you made a good point when when you know when you when you came off me in the sense of you're so right it's different aspects of it will be for different countries and different places of the world um i mean for me like honestly like i remember you know back in the school days and rugby days and stuff like you know i didn't there wasn't too much that concerned me in the sense of like the rugby itself you know there was a lot of the culture I think um after the game or that changing room culture and and you know things like that that kind of got on me the kind of like hazing and teasing and stuff like that um on the field obviously you know adrenaline's pumping things like that you know there might be the old fight or things like that it's quite it's quite funny when you watch um when you watch a game nowadays, it's quite weird if you don't see a little fight or a scrap mm. at some point. And the commentators will always make a, a comment 
it's, you know, it may be small or not, not that it's can, um, you know, approving it, but it's, it's part of the game, right? Um, it's that it's just going to happen. So, I mean, I think there's part of that kind of culture that we need to change and stuff. And I think it definitely has. I mean, you, you see fights and aggression that, that aren't as insane as what they used to be, but they still happen, right? They still happen. And I think it's at a aggression side of our culture that, um, needs a bit of calming down. Um, but I don't think rugby in itself or, or as a sport and, and things is, is our problem. Um, I think our problem here in New Zealand really whittles down to the whole, um, like she'll be right culture, you mm. know, um, as in like, yeah, that, that suffering and silence, that first thing that I mentioned. And I think I mentioned that the first, the first is because that's what I've seen the most. And I think that's probably what I've experience the most in my in my own toxic masculinity um is is suffering in silence and depression and um suicide is a really big thing here in new zealand in our culture and in our men um and it's it's uh, like you said the the you know conversations need to happen men and young men need to be able to have the opportunity or want to feel like that they can talk about what's wrong and what's going on and cry and they don't have to have this big um persona of being strong and tough and and angry and and dominant that you know that they can be vulnerable um and and show those emotional sides and i i think that's a really big thing that that i notice here in new zealand the most um is 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 that side of thing i mean do you have any different thoughts yeah, or, or no, no, I th- on the matter? I think you're right. I, I mean, I think rugby in itself is not any necessarily any less problematic as a sport in of, in of itself than uh, other sports. I think it's interesting that you mentioned like the changing room culture. I think there's definitely, definitely problematic stuff in that, that like I've experienced as, as well, you know, both in rugby and, and in other sports. But I think, yeah, what it really boils down to is, how we perceive male to male dialogue and conversation, mm. both mm. in do we share our feelings, do we talk, you know, the vulnerability, the having the conversations, but also in the calling each other out. I think that's what the yeah. real hard things about, you know, going through school and university is we form opinions of what we think's okay and what's not okay. And the people around us don't necessarily form those same opinions. And then as people get older, they get more confident to express their opinions and their views, whether it be jokes that are like inappropriate or, or aren't PC or, or being derogatory towards, towards women or others or other friends or, you know, being derogatory based on sexuality or, or you know, ethnicity or anything. And the confidence to call other people out, you know, say, hey, that's not okay, is as much of a thing that that we grapple with. And I think that's all tied together because if you're not comfortable calling someone else out, how can you be comfortable with your own feelings? If you can't be comfortable having your own conversations with, with people about how you're feeling, how can you possibly feel confident enough to call other people out? I think there's a there's a big circle there that all goes around the the male to male dialogue and how we have conversation and how we relate to each other and i think there's a great bravery in being able to check people that you're friends with and say mm. hey this isn't okay you know this behavior you know whether it's something serious or just you know sometimes people make mistakes or say things that they probably didn't mean or they didn't say with malice and didn't realize that it, it probably wasn't okay and i think reminding people 
that you're close with of you know what's okay and what's not is is really important but i think that's a real struggle particularly as you go from being at secondary school to university i think first year university is probably the biggest toxic year of of a man's life because mm. I think you're introduced to a lot of men that you don't know. There's a great melting pot of people that have completely different backgrounds. They've come from different sized families, have different interactions with, with women have diff, you know, come from different parts of new New Zealand, you know, rural New Zealand, suburban New Zealand. And no one in first year really wants to take a massive stand. I think, I think there's a lot of passive stuff that happens in first year. Fair enough. I remember being shit scared in first year, you know, all these people I didn't know, you know, I yeah. didn't know how I felt about, you know, myself and other people. And I think that university culture of, you know, everyone's for the most part 18. So everyone can drink. There's obviously a big social sphere. You know, there's the whole like, oh, you know, who cares about academics is something that a lot of people, you know, that at least they act in that way, whether they actually care about that or not. Mm-hmm. And I think univer- it's not university culture's fault. It's more the, the meeting a whole new bunch of people. There's kind of a lot of there's a lot of stuff that swirls in there. I think it's interesting now being back in Wellington where I went to university, where I went to school. And obviously it's such a small city that you constantly interact with people that are of university age. And I pick up on it on, on a lot, even just in, in body language. And one you know specific experience that has always stuck with me was I was working, I think this must've been 2017. So I'd finished uni. I was 21 I was working up at the lab full-time at university and I remember like running down from uni down into town. You'll remember the, the Mount street sloping type yep. thing. Yep. Yep. I, d- I don't remember what I was running for, but I just remember running down. Um, and I'm the kind of person where sometimes I'll just run. Like if, if it's downhill, I find it easier than walking. Sometimes I just want to get somewhere a little bit quicker. You know, the other night, like I run through the Mount Vic tunnel cause it's so loud and gross that actually I just want to get through it and twice as, you know, twice yeah. as fast. And I remember running down this hill and there being group of, I don't know, 10 or 10 or so uni guys that they're clearly younger than me just based on size and whatever age. And I remember being about to approach them running down the hill. And in my head, I went, I bet they say something. And of course, as I ran past, someone was like, oh, like, look at this guy running. Like, oh, we got Usain Bolt over here. Don't remember what they said. It was something like that. And I just kept running. I just thought, why did you feel the need to make a comment about someone that you don't know mm. who's not doing anything intrusive or bothersome? Or, it's not even strange. People run all the time for buses, whatever. And I just remember continuing that and thinking, what what was it that made this person or this group of people feel the need to because they're in a group in this you know toxic bubble like why make that comment and it's always stuck with me as just an example of something that was pretty harmless didn't really bother me like you know it hasn't despite me remember it hasn't scarred me it hasn't stopped me from running blah 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 but that's a good example of something small that really reflects how guys particularly when they're in groups feel the safety to make comments about each other and I think it's that social sphere where you put us in great big numbers, whether it be 20 people on a rugby team or a group of eight people going out into town. When guys are around guys, there's just something that that happens that isn't great. And I think yeah. then that then leads on to how guys interact 
with each other one-on-one and probably more importantly how they interact with with women and all the you know disrespect towards women whether it be sexual behavior that's on unwanted be it you know in town or in relationships you know fostering that idea that certain behaviors are okay that that aren't okay bleeds into domestic violence years down the line you know i i think that those behaviors towards women that aren't okay really do start with men to men interactions i think that's where the, the the crux of it is and and those things then interact how we behave with each other now everyone obviously has different backgrounds i think if you're you know if you have five older sisters in your male probably you have a different interaction with females than if you're mm. an only child or you know if you have a father figure or if you don't have a father figure you know people have very different backgrounds but i think a lot of where toxic masculinity comes from is very much a male to male problem and i think yep. what we're trying to encourage and how we speak to each other here on the podcast and how we talk to our male friends is is completely changing the view of of the conversations that can and should be had and then that influences how you down the line then deal with all that other stuff because if yeah. you can have conversations with people about how you're you're feeling um you know if, if you're feeling down or, or depressed if you can have that conversation with people and have that trust towards people and feel the respect of, of other men back towards you then i really think that changes how you view the world and how you interact with with strangers like another thing that i've just remembered like we were friend i were driving in a car and dixon street maybe two weeks ago just completely stopped at the lights where the rainbow crossing is and this this young guy who was like probably 10 years old on a bike like a push bike biked in front of the in front of us and behind the car in front of us and he like glared at me and he's like like watch where if you're going or whatever and i just like looked at him in shock i was like why why did you say anything we haven't done it the fact that you've chosen something that's a non-event to say something just really doesn't bode well for this particular individual who i know absolutely nothing about the years like if at that age they feel the need to say something to me specifically as a male driver for being parked you know stationary in my car on a street driving like Mm. why should we expect any any but that behavior not to exacerbate over over the years um yeah yeah. Sorry, uh, I've talked yeah. talked for a while there. No, no. I, I, I mean, that's the thing with this is things to talk about. You know, I think uh, you know. There's little, little bit like oh, there's a lot obviously that I want to go off on what you said, and it's like I think for me it's that I want to bring it back to that town culture because the amount of times that I've been in town with a group of women that like have given me a look in the sense of like help, like. For, for me, obviously, I mean, like you said, it's, I think we need to be able to call it out. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for calling it out in, in many aspects of life. If you see something, say something, right? Um, in town, the, yeah, the amount of times a, a friend of mine has come up to me and been like, oh, there's this guy, like, uh, either he either grabbed me or said something or is just like watching me being a bit of a, being a bit of a perv, right? And, what I do is I will then try and assert my dominance 
on him in the sense of like you know you kind of block it off you know you've been in that situation where you kind of switch positions with them yeah. and you 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 know you take them out of the situation you block them off right i remember i was in town probably one of the last times i was in town in wellington this year um and that happened and um two two of the girls standing across from me in the circle were like this guy behind us is just being a being a prick um so i switched positions right and then all of a sudden he just started like pushing back on me like he knew what had happened and he was pushing back on me pushing back on me pushing back on me and instead of saying something i literally just turned around and i pushed him he turned around and i was like i literally just told him to stop it and then his his one mate came in on the left side and then another mate came in on the right side and like tried to assert me and i literally i just i i pretty much just told them to like either either stop it or like something's going to happen and i think they were kind of they were kind of taken back for a moment i think that something even came out of this like i don't know if they he realized what he was doing and that's the problem you know like that there's guys in town that think that this is okay and that they can just do it right um and yeah i can't i can't remember what i said i said but i said something to him and then they literally left and then i remember coming back to my friend group and and one of the friends was like wow like i've i've never seen that side of you before and it's like, yeah, because I see it all the time and I'm having to do this all the time when I'm in town. And it's just, you know, like I, I think in a sense that obviously I'm glad I can diffuse the situation, but the only way I was able to diffuse that situation was with aggression. I mean, mm. we didn't get in a fight, like I didn't punch anyone or anything like that, but it's the fact that unfortunately you can't really tell these people to stop or get away unless you meet them on that level. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think it's, it's hard trying to find that, that balance sometimes of really telling guys to stop it, like whether they're actually going to listen or not. Um, and then I think what you were saying before with, you know, with friends per se, like, let's say, let's say you and you and me were out, right. And, and I did something that you didn't like. And instead of not saying anything, if our friendship is true and really matters, then you should be able to have the ability to say something to me, right? Like, I think we should be able to say our friends. And if if, if your friend gets angry or doesn't like what you've said, then, I mean, is that is that actually friendship? Like, is, it, is there true friendship there? You know what I mean? We should yeah. be able to call out our friends and it be okay after that. And the guy be like, yeah, you know, like, you're right you're right and i think i think that phrase right there kind of went into my head i think that's one thing with guys that we don't often say is you're right because once again it's that idea that no i'm right like i'm on top like i know what i'm doing kind of thing it's being able to accept when you've done something wrong and move on from that thing and i think that's what we all need to kind of check in ourselves as males at least that's what popped into my head right there kind of thing yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that, thank you for sharing. That's a really an interesting point from the story that you mentioned. Like, you know, talking about masculinity isn't, isn't in of itself a bad thing. And your ability to use your, your size and your sense of being commanding and standing up for something that you believed in to, to, you know, stand up against these people was exactly what needed to happen in that situation. Mm. And you used the word 
aggression. You know, aggression's a word that is almost purely negative connotations. But in that case, you were doing something to protect people that needed protecting in that situation. And the people that were actually being the aggressors were the people that you were standing up to. And mm. I, I can appreciate your your struggle there because I know you're, you know, you're a you're a teddy bear. Like, <laughs> I'm a teddy bear. <laughs> if you could go through the rest of your your life and never have to fight anyone or stand up to anyone because there wasn't any need to, I'm sure you'd, you'd choose to. But in that situation, you were made to go out of, not necessarily out of your comfort zone, but out of the zone where you wanted to operate to stand up for people. I think that's, you raise a really good point. Like that's a really difficult situation to be in. I think that's often why if people, you know, you're around someone that you know and they say something or they acting a certain way, a lot of the times people are afraid to insert some some level of opinion or, or courage because they're worried about backlash and so actually mm. encouraging people to stand up to their friends as in, in some ways encouraging masculinity in that particular in the right form. situation in the right form in the right yeah. situation doesn't mean you have to go around you know fighting everyone or even in your case pushing everyone you know sometimes just saying something can be enough but in certain situations like you you need to be able to read the room and understand what needs to happen and i think you're absolutely right those town atmospheres bars and clubs and there's people of different ages and different size groups and different levels of intoxication and different levels of experience in those situations like that it's just a melting pot for for bad stuff to happen doesn't yeah. mean people shouldn't go to town it doesn't mean that you know that should necessarily like shut all the bars like no you know we're not encouraging that what we're saying no. is that there are people you know there are people going out there just to have a good night with friends and a lot of the times you know it is women who are you know take the brunt of the toxicity that breeds in that culture and yeah yeah i mean to be honest i, I don't I don't know what you do about it other than having these conversations and, and being a part of the dialogue that's really has been going on for the last few years and has been continued to be advocated for, which is that sort of behavior is, is not okay. Toxic masculinity needs to be called out where it is. Um, you know, feminism, uh, obviously being its own movement and sub movements within that. Like I, I, th I hope we're getting to the point where some changes being being developed but it's so hard to know because we are in our own echo chambers of the people that we know the mm. people we engage with um and then even just in the times that you see them you know you can be close friends with someone but who knows what they're doing and and when they go to town by themselves or not with you and let alone like do we have our fingers on the pulse of what's going on with people in first year at the moment absolutely not no. like yeah, i mean true. unless you have you know a younger you know, brother or cousin or someone that's five years younger than you you know who we're not going to know because we don't interact with those people but i hope that you know the, the the people behind us who are 12 and 13 14 you know growing up and moving into the age where you are impressionable and you start learning all all these all these things about what's okay and what's not okay and discovering sexuality and and you know figuring out who you are as a person all those sorts of things i hope that the dialogue that's been going on over the last few years influences them early enough that mm. by the time that they're 18 19 20 you know putting themselves in situations where these these interactions happen i hope that we're getting there but it's so so yeah. hard to say and it, that's why all yeah. we can do is sort of 
be be advocates for the change that we want to happen. Exactly. I, I think, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, obviously things have been changing for decades, you know, uh, uh, feminine feminism movement and, and all of that. It's, it's, it's been happening for decades. Um, and a lot of these things are set in like traditional, like you said, gender norms and stuff like that. It's not going to change overnight and it, and it still hasn't changed overnight. But like you said, it, we should be advocates for for calling it out. If we see something, we we should say something. You know, I think we should stop being uh, we should stop being you know silent watchers. Um, and yeah, we can all be we can all be the 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 knights that we all need. You know, I I think I just think we can we can all do so much better as a society to get people really thinking about their actions and what they're doing and what they're feeling as well. Uh, you know, we, yep. we obviously have talked about the the active side of it, but there's also the stuff that we, we keep inside. Absolutely. We need to, be, me, need to be able to talk with our friends and we need to be able to call out actions that our friends are doing and stuff like that. And, hey, I mean, to call back on a, on a podcast that we've done before on the whole debate on the ethics of having children... You know, it's the next generation. It's it's the generation that are our age that, that we are going to bring into this world that we can really start driving into them on the ideals that we want of humanity. You know, um, tradition traditions are, are are there to be broken. You know, and there's a lot of aspects in this world that are just are just still so old-fashioned and are just not us anymore. And they are changing, and, and we are seeing some change. But I think it really comes up to us and how we raise our raise raise the next generation. That's we're really going to start seeing the impact and the change in this world. So I mean, a big thing that's also coming up: vote. You know vote democracy is also a big thing on on what legislations and bills get put in and, and how our society lives and creates and and going forward and stuff like that and it's a it's a as we said before it's a democratic process that has been fought for so vote because there are issues like this and mental health and things like that that um that are important that are important so depending as on who is in power certain things will be put forward and we need to have our say we we need to have our say so yeah, that's one thing I just wanted to <laughs> pop in there because it's important, you know. I mean, they keep on saying over in America as well. I mean, you just have to look in America for, for all of our friends and listeners over in America. Vote, get your friends enrolled, all of that. It's important. And I mean, I'm, I'm hoping if you're listening to this podcast um, that you already are. Um, but yeah, it's important. It's important that we all do it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's nice to bring it back around to the inactive stuff to, to sort of close thing out because... You know, a lot of a lot of this in toxic masculinity is is the active stuff that we've we've talked about. But but for you and and me and the people listening, you know, it does start with becoming comfortable with with who you are and and having conversations with people. And I think that's the nice thinking about the the age that we're at now. It's it's all about having the meaningful conversations. I think we are getting to the age where we are pretty comfortable with with who we are, or we have a pretty decent understanding and. And yeah, I think that's what I, what I'd like to finish on is is you know mental health awareness week. Last week, um, mental health awareness is is a constant, and I think it's it's a huge tie into all the things that we we talk about and checking in on on friends, people you haven't talked to a lot, checking in on the people that you think are completely fine. You know, might seem happy as Larry and chirpy chirpy chirpy, but 
probably on maybe on the inside they're actually struggling i've definitely had conversations with with male friends over the last few weeks who are struggling with work or they're they're struggling with their identity or what they're doing at the moment and and doesn't mean you have conversations that find all the solutions but having having the conversations you can kind of leave that place and be like yeah at least i've talked to about it with someone at least someone knows what's going on and and i think we underestimate how powerful that is i had a conversation with a friend on friday night about work and the struggle and was it right and you know uh, you know does he want to make a change in his life or is he happy where he is and I couldn't propose any massive solutions to him, but in the 10 minutes that we chatted, I knew that he walked away feeling better for having had that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I felt good having had the conversation with him because I knew that in that 10 minutes, I had a better understanding of how that person was feeling than the other four hours I saw him that night or probably the previous month where I'd seen him a bunch of times but never had meaningful conversations. So don't undervalue the the importance and the effect that just chatting to someone meaningfully for a couple of minutes um can have yeah so true so true and yeah i think that's a a beautiful place to end this podcast um thank you all for listening i mean we know as as we've said before you know we 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 want to be able to talk about these things and and you guys wanting to listen to it um so thank you for always coming back and as we said earlier thank you for the amount of support and and you know for getting us over that that four digit mark um of of listeners and uh yeah we're going to keep on doing this and as james said at the start we've got things on the pipeline um so once again keep on checking us out on our instagram on our facebook show us your love send us messages let us know what you think of the podcasts um because we really appreciate it and it drives us to do more but don't worry they're going to keep on coming so james thank you so much for this week again man thank you bro and to everyone listening out there we will see you next time peace